Welcome back for another episode of the main event. It's episode 23. Let's get it. You are listening to the main event. Welcome, 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 welcome back to another episode of the main event. It's your main man, Jermaine Parker, the host creator, the sound engineer, the web developer. Man, I do it all, jack of all trades, let it be said. Preach on, preach on, preach on. Hey man, I'm back with another episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Man, you could be doing anything in the world, but I'm glad you're spending your time with me. Hey, hopefully you enjoy the content, and that you know what? You're going to hit me up on my website, www.themainlyeventpodcast.com. Yo, check out this episode and the rest of the episodes. You can also catch us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasting from, man. Hey, did you know that if you got an Apple Watch, you got a podcast app on there, you can stream straight from your Apple Watch to your AirPods. Man, the main event's everywhere. Ask Siri. Siri. Search for the main event. Actually, I have no idea if that works. Um, <laughs> but I do know it's supposed to work for Alexa. Uh, so if you ask Alexa, she should be able to get that for you too. Um, so anyway, um, I'm back for another week. This is hopefully my last week in Oklahoma. And, uh, yeah, keep the, the applause down. Hopefully my last week in Oklahoma. And, um, yeah, man, it's just time to go home. I miss my girls. <laughs> it's just time to go home. Uh, just keep getting pushed back for maintenance and weather, uh, issues and stuff. But, uh, hopefully I, I get my check ride tomorrow, and I get to hit the road. So, yay, yippee. If you're in the Charlotte area, hit me up. Um, also, that, that means I'm, 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 uh, I'm getting back to business. Um, uh, if you are looking or thinking about a home, port, home purchase uh, in the next couple of months, you know, hit me up. Um, I most definitely... Uh, get that to you. I'm actually going to, um, I got to get a, some other stuff together uh, for my real estate. Um, I was going to give out, I'm, I'm getting a business line. Um, so as soon as I get that set up, which should be set up uh, in the next week or so, um, I'll be putting that business number out there for anybody that's interested in that part of my life. Um, and then, you know, just continue to play, uh, play military. Um, so, this episode is coming out like a day late. I was uh, kind of busy over the weekend trying to get myself together to get out of here and stuff, but I did want to get a, a episode out this week. So uh, apologies if it's uh, not as polished. Uh, I I really recommend going back and listening to the last two episodes. Uh, I got some interviews in this last two, and they were just gems. There's some gems in there. I know you guys like listening to me, but um, I did interviews, and there's some some good stuff. It was the last two. Uh, big shout out to 
Mr. Renan Barber, and also to Mr. Brian Parker, uh, my guest over the last two weeks. And I've set up for some more guests, so um, it's going to be, the podcast is growing. It's going in the direction that I wanted to go. Um, as I look at the numbers from my website, I have, uh, in the first two months of this year, almost half of what I have total for last year in terms of interaction on the website. Uh, you guys keep hitting the download button. Um, while you're doing that, hit the subscribe subscribe button. And also, uh, share it with a friend. I appreciate it. Uh, if you enjoy it, man, you stay all the way to the end, please do. Uh, but like I said, this week is uh, kind of going to be a short week for me. I'm going to be traveling back to North Carolina. And uh, actually, I did a little traveling this weekend. And uh, I'm going to talk about that here in a little bit. You know, it's March now, and we just came out of Black History Month, and, and quite honestly, it's one of the worst Black History Months I've ever, I've ever been a part of. Uh, there's just so many things going around from the blackface controversies to Gucci to just all the distractions that were going on during Black History Month when it should have been a celebration. You know, I, I always think of Black History Month as sort of like your birthday. Or an anniversary. It's something that we bring highlighted in February, but it's something that we celebrate. You know, you celebrate your life every day, and we celebrate back history every day. And, um, you know, so but it wasn't all bad, you know. Uh, well, depending on who you are. Um, uh, w- one thing that was a, a good sign and kind of stepping in the, rest, the right direction was uh, Colin Kaepernick. Uh, he settled with the NFL. Uh, they decided that uh, they didn't want to go to court. And if you know anything about the NFL and the way that they uh, operate, uh, that was pretty much a uh, nonverbal, we get it. There was some uh, some colluding on our parts to keep you out of the league for basically standing up for your First Amendment rights. And um, so he got paid off of that. And like I say, it just kind of depends on how you feel about that. Um, I think it was a good thing. In turn, and I think any time that we talk about people being able to speak out, um, uh, w- whether you completely agree with what they have to say or not, that's kind of, you know, it's, it's counterintuitive to want to silence people and then say that you're patriotic when the whole idea was that we, were, we would all have a voice. and um, But not your voice because I don't agree with what you got to say. And really the, the strange thing to me is, is that, you know, all Brother Kaepernick wanted to speak about was police brutality. <laughs> and it's like, no. You love America. No, I, I just don't love black men and women getting beaten, killed in the streets. Um, that's it. And, you know, that's it. And it's funny how that works. I was actually in an establishment today. I had to go uh, uh, pick up some stuff. Uh, my buddy Daryl and a couple guys in the bar were talking about how they didn't want to go see the Oklahoma City Thunder anymore, OKC, because uh, one of the guys went there and people were sitting down for the anthem. And, uh, hey, look, man. I've been in the military for almost 22 years, uh, be 22 in April, and uh, my knees are bad. I'm, I'm bone on bone, and one knee, and just the cartilage, cartilage is gone in my other knee. And if I decide to stand or sit up, that's my goddamn business, and I'll do it at my fucking pleasure. Uh, because that's what makes me an American, is that I get to do that anytime the fuck I want to. And, uh, and as I have served this country for over 20 glorious years, um, again, my decision out of uniform, what I do with my time in my body. And so for people that are getting upset, I'm like, I don't understand. Just like you say, if you want to stand up, then you stand up. 
if you're upset because other people sit down, but you don't know the background behind why they might not even be protesting, it might be. And it's, it's the silly part about it is for has always been that that argument is that the same people that talk about that are the same ones that don't get out of line. It you know they they're they're getting beer during the game when they're at home. They don't stand. Um, they don't sing along to the, with the words. Most of them don't even know the uh, effing words. And uh, so that kind of controversy and stuff uh, about why uh, uh, Colin Kaepernick decided to kneel uh, during the anthem, which he thought he's being respectful of the anthem while still making a statement and still having some integrity about some of his beliefs. And one of the things that um, I regularly talk about on this is leadership. And one of the core components of leadership is having integrity. It really is. Um, being able to stand for your beliefs, no matter how things are pushing you to go. Um, because it's easy as a million dollar, million dollar athlete to go, you know what? Does it really matter? I could do it somewhere else, but I have a platform and I'm going to use my platform. And so he decided to use his platform and he got slammed for it. And there's some repercussions for, for that kind of stuff when you, uh, try to stand up for your, um, Start to stand up for your beliefs and your principles and stuff. Man, I, I like to think that I'm a man of principle and there were some things going on that I just didn't believe in, uh, that I would stand my ground for those things, uh, even knowing that um, it might not turn out the way I want it to turn out. Um, you know, I segue into a um, uh, story with uh, the comedian Monique and how she was asking people to boycott Netflix uh, because she felt like that Netflix was not being um, fair in their programming and uh, for um, she she was looking at uh, comp comedians and their specials and what Netflix was paying other comedians and what they had offered her uh, for a special and it, you know it wasn't Proportionally, it was insignificant to what they had offered uh, other people. And um, there was a lot of discussion about, you know, Monique and her attitude and how she was difficult and to work with and this and that. And, you know, um, but M- Monique really stood up for her principles. She actually went on not to, it was like last, it was last month, she went on. Uh, the Steve Harvey show and, uh, her and Steve sat down and had a conversation and Steve tried to talk to her about, um, that and, well, you know what? Let me just play a clip. So the truth, we black out here. We can't come out here and do it any kind of way we want to. Let me, listen um, to me. Your husband yes. can't be the Sydney that he really is out here. Let me tell you that, something. That flexing, Let me we got to flex something. a different way. We Let out here in a game. This the money game. This ain't the black man's game. This ain't the white man's game. It's this the money, the money game. game. But I, I we in the money game. And We're you cannot sacrifice yourself. The uh, best thing you can do for poor people is not be one of them. You cannot We're in the money game. game. But let me tell you what the game is before the money game. Before the money game, it's called the integrity game. And we've lost the integrity worrying about the money. For a moment. And wait a minute. If wait I minute. crumble, if you my crumble. children crumble, my grandchildren crumble. I cannot, for the sake of my integrity, stand up here and let everybody that's counting on me crumble so I can make a statement. So you can make a statement was the, uh, the cutoff on that. Uh, you know, it actually brings up an interesting conversation about 
um, so Steve's point was is that um, he had people that counted on him and therefore whatever he had to do to feed his family he was willing to do and some people say that's a selfish sacrifice you know I'm just gonna you know I'm just gonna take it I'm just gonna take it and uh, Monique's whole thing was is that well I'm, I'm not gonna take it and if it means I had to lose something in order to stand on my principle then that's what it is and um, I, you know uh, the thing behind Netflix and stuff man I, I don't know I mean I really don't it's all speculation I mean because I'm not in a Netflix boardroom uh, I don't know Monique personally to make an assessment about um, Monique and how much value she's really worth versus what they were offering her and I know it was less than a million dollars what they were offering her I think Kevin Hart got like uh, or was it Kevin no, not Kevin. Uh, Chris Rock got like forty-five. No, Dave Chappelle. Excuse me, Lord. Just going through all the bucket They all these guys had uh, specials, um, but Dave Chappelle got like forty-five for the. I think it was three uh, comedy specials that he did for Netflix. Um, yeah, he got like forty-five or fifty million for that, and um, so they were offering her a million for, for one. And, um, I, you know, a lot of it is marketing and how much return, you know, everything is about return investment. So your, your ROI is important when you're doing business. Uh, when we talk about, uh, when I talk about investments and houses and stuff like that, you know, I'll, I'll eventually start talking about how you calculate our, uh, ROI for those investments and stuff. But, um, but it's something you have to do. You know, how do I know that this uh, $30,000 that I dropped to a house is going to return me um, more than what I would have got if I had put it into something else like a uh, 401k? And so there's factors that you got to look at. And, I, and and so I'll assume that Netflix looked at their factors and said, well, the best way to get return investment on Monique is less than a million invested, and that way we'll make sure we get something off of it. She didn't feel that way. She thought she was more popular than that. And, you know, uh, she's not the only one. I know the comedian, uh, Gary Owen, uh, talks about, you know, Netflix, you know, for, I mean, they wouldn't even take a, a meeting with Gary. Uh, and, um, and so Gary, uh, put out his own special. And a lot of comedians will do that now where they'll call, uh, they'll pay for somebody to film them and then they'll, they'll put it out. And, um, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, until you can get those deals and make that money and stuff. But the the bigger point that I do agree with Monique is is that um, I don't believe you need to shuck and jive for a dollar. I, I I'm completely against that. Uh, you can you can quote me on the day you heard it uh, on that. And you can play it back for uh, a million years because um, I'll, I'll feel the same way about it uh, later on. Um, as I do now, one of the things that I think has always helped me um, in my my military career, at least, and that's been like I say twenty two years of my life doing that, is that um, I believe myself to be principled, and what that means is is that there are certain things, no matter what the uh, current uh, tide is or the the what the current temperature of the room is. Uh, there are certain things I, I will not agree to, will not participate in, and we're just not going to do. We're going to treat people. I, if I'm involved, um, I'm not just going to treat people bad just because you don't like them. Um, they're, they're the, one of the things that I've always kind of appreciated about the military is that there were standards. Um, 
Now, we are the gatekeepers of those standards, but there are written standards for uh, just about anything uh, in military life. They're just, they're just, they're just are. They're standards for uh, your dress and appearance, um, uh, for your greetings, for how you do, your, you know, technically, your technical expertise at your job, you know, what makes you an expert, um, what classes, what this, you know, certifications, what you need in order to be, uh, a, uh, a professional and stuff and I've, I've enjoyed that because it was kind of colored by the numbers um, the way the military does it. It can be a little bit harder in uh, the outside world trying to figure out exactly what you got to do in order to be right um, and that's why you know it's sort of like military I don't have to choose what I'm going to wear. They got uniforms for me kind of take it out and then they, they tell me how to wear my uniform so I don't I don't have to guess about proper appearance and stuff like that or how to cut my hair, um, and because I have that base to, to fall back on, uh, I also have a moral base um, not given to me by the military. Uh, thank you, Mama, and thank you, Daddy. Um, they were able to sit me down and go, "This is right and wrong." And, I, and I, even if you don't get that, I, I think over the years you you kind of understand what's right and wrong. And therefore, you, you, you kind of grow your principles. These are the lines I will not cross. These are things I will not do, uh, kind of things. And you, you kind of stand up and, uh, consistency is the key, but you have to be consistent with it. And I just think that when we talk about Monique and we talk about, uh, that conversation with, just had with Steve, Steve basically sounded like, no, no, I would put on an A costume and eat a banana, uh, behind a cage if I thought white people would throw money at me. And that's one of the most ridiculous stances uh, I've ever heard of. I mean, it's just crazy. It's crazy to me um, that you would, Chuck and Job Sambo yourself because you believe, air quotes, that you are helping the people that depend on you. And I think the people that depend on you, like for me, like my daughters, my daughters depend on me. And what... I want to do for my daughters is, and, and I'm not perfect and I don't get to do it all and I don't, and I don't live up to it all the time, but it is my goal and I strive for it is to give them an example of how they should be in their lives based on how I am in mine. And so being principled and saying, no, no, it is not okay to sacrifice your dignity or your self worth, uh, for money. It just isn't. Um, and if you think it is, you know, that's, it's not, you know, I'm, I'm telling you it's not. Uh, I know a lot of people to do. There are a lot of things that, you know, I uh, I, I want to do comedy for a, a long time. And I know I, I, I see comedians and they do different things, and especially in this age, day and age where you can go on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube or whatever and put out videos and stuff and do your own little sketch comedies. You know, you think about, I think about guys like King Bach um, who's out there doing his own thing and doing very well at it and stuff. Um, but I, I think that because he produces and he does a lot of his own stuff, I think he I think he has a standard for like this is the stuff that I will and will not do. There are other guys out there I don't know the names, but like this one guy, he's always dressed up as a woman, and like I, I couldn't do that. Um, that's just not who I am. I, I just don't you know. Um, I, I'd make an ugly woman, uh, number one, and um, and that's just not me. Just, I'm just not going to wear a dress. It's just not me. I'm. I'm Born and raised in the South, I'm not putting a dress on. I don't care if it makes me blow up and I am a viral sensation and it leads to money, money, money. Uh, if I got to put a dress on to make money, then, man, I have effed up a lot of other areas of my life if that's the only way. 
Um, that's all I'm going to tell you. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, and obviously um, some fatal ones, if that's it. Um, I just think that uh, there are certain things that when you talk about leadership, it's important. When you talk about just being a good, decent human being, it's important to have some principles and stuff and be able to stand on your own two feet and say, hey, um, that's not worth it. Um, and I, I think when you when you look at the Monique um, thing, like I said, I don't know Monique. and Maybe she is a bitch. Maybe she needs some interpersonal skills. Maybe um, it's not so much... Uh, that she is demanding or that she's mean. Maybe she is being professional, but she's setting boundaries, which we all should have, those healthy boundaries saying, I will not do this for X, Y, and Z. I won't do this, and I won't do this. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. You kind of have to look at her history. Um, as we talk about history, so uh, I was talking about I took a trip this weekend, and so I'm in Altus, Oklahoma, which is... Uh, about two hours southwest, as crow flies, of Oklahoma City. And so um, I said that since I got here, one of the things that I wanted to do is I wanted to drive to Tulsa, and I wanted to go check out um, uh, the uh, Greenwood District of Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma, also known as Black Wall Street. And so uh, part of what I wanted to do is I, I wanted to share the story of Black Wall Street, um, because it's uh, at the end of Black History Month, as we talk about uh, Colin and uh, as we talk about uh, Monique and Steve and the whole thing for integrity and stuff. Um, you know, his one of the things, and it's so amazing because I was a grown adult before I ever even heard of Black Wall Street, because it's not something that is uh, taught in schools. Uh, is mostly kind of forgotten and stuff. And I, uh, I posted some pictures on, um, Instagram and I think Facebook too. Um, the Instagram's the same as the, as the Facebook page. It's the main event, uh, podcast. You can search for it on Instagram or, um, or Facebook. Or you can just look at my, uh, my personal page on Facebook, Jermaine Parker. Uh, look for me there. But, um, I put some pictures out um, that I took, and I, I had a conversation, and, um, and it was um, African American female, and she she had no idea uh, about it. So I was like, when I was like, yeah, Black Wall Street, she's like, yeah, okay, well, tell me about it. So since I told her, I thought, man, if she doesn't know, and I didn't find out until I was in my twenties, thirties. Um, <laughs> well, why don't I share my audience today? And I spent some time on that. So I am. I'm spending time on Black Wall Street. So, uh, and so this is your Black History lesson for the month for me. Congratulations. Um, and you can wiki Black Wall Street if you, you want the down and dirty. And I'm going to give you the down and dirty. So basically, um, Oklahoma had the, uh, land rush, um, 1889. 1891, somewhere around there is when they did uh, a land grab in Oklahoma. If you ever wonder why Oklahoma, uh, the uh, the the college, the University of Oklahoma, they're called the Sooners, 
is uh, there were when they did the land rush, they literally had people uh, sitting at a start line, and the idea was is that you get your wagons and stuff, you go rush out here, and they had uh, acres marked off, and you had to go uh, pick up the stakes. I believe that's how that worked, um, and it had a flag number on there that told the plot and whatever. And that's that's how you got your you got some land. They got people to come and populate Oklahoma, and so they gave out uh, millions of acres of land. Um, in 1889, 1891, somewhere around there. Um, it's also important to note that, uh, they could have simply resettled all the African American slaves, um, with their 40 acres, um, doing the same thing. So it wasn't that the government was, uh, unwilling to give away land for free. They just didn't want to give it to black people. Um, however, um, there were some, uh, some gentlemen who, uh, during that time frame, uh, decided to come to, uh, what is now the, uh, Tulsa area, Tulsa area. And, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the guy's name. It is, uh, O.W. Gurley is his name. Um, he was a, uh, a, uh, black landowner from Arkansas. Um, he came in the uh, Oklahoma land run, and he got some. Uh, he he got some land. He actually uh, purchased like I think it was forty acres in Tulsa, and uh, he uh, he started developing that land. And uh, of course, now so this is uh, after uh, it was eighteen. Oh man. About to catch me here. 1863. Is that right? 1863, um, slavery was officially over. And so, here we are some, uh, 40-something years later. Quick math, 50 years later. And, uh, O'Grilly comes to, uh, well, in 89, it was a little closer to 30 years. But anyway, um... He comes to Oklahoma and he purchases land and some other, um, own, uh, landowners come in, they purchase acreages and stuff. And so basically this is during Jim Crow. Um, and so everything was segregated and Oklahoma actually has some of the harsher, um, uh, segregation laws, uh, in the country. Um, they had a very, very uh, large population of Ku Klux Klan, and they frequently uh, had uh, lynching parties and whipping parties. And so whipping parties um, were actually, the you can actually see pictures of those things. It was a social gathering where white people would, would whip black people for entertainment purposes. That's what it was. Um, and there's pictures. They took pictures. Uh, it was like a day in the park, and we're gonna whip us uh, some black people. Um, so because of the segregation, um, and at that time, you know, a lot of blacks, um, they couldn't even make purchases in the predominantly white areas in Tulsa anyway because of the Jim Crow uh, laws and stuff. So basically. Um, 
was golly, um, 1901. I, I would say that uh, Greenwood was settled in 1901. Let's go with that. This sounds good. Um, but basically, they started coming in, buying land. They couldn't really um, shop in, on the white side, which was conveniently uh, on the other side of the tracks. Um, and Greenwood was the only street that didn't run in both the black and white neighborhood. Greenwood was completely in the black neighborhood. And so um, there's a sense of pride of the businesses that went along Greenwood and stuff. But that's what happened is that because they couldn't buy from each other. And I would say Booker T. Washington even came through and um, had some influence in uh, Greenwood and uh, encouraged them to continue to make their own businesses and, um, you know, to uh, to use their money and to support each other. And that's exactly what they did. Um, and no different than a uh, Little Italy or a Chinatown, uh, where or any other uh, not named uh, areas where you go in and it has a strong ethnic uh, presence there, where they um, support each other's business. Um, if you go into a uh, Chinese restaurant, guess who works there? <laughs> the family works there, and supporting the business. Uh, we're creating uh, own job creation and stuff, and that's exactly what happened in Greenwood. To the point that Greenwood actually became one of the most prosperous uh, African American neighborhoods in the country. Uh, some say it was the richest. Booker T. Washington, I think, is the one that actually called it Black Wall Street, gave it the nickname Black Wall Street of how prosperous it was. Sorry, uh, but. Um, so you go, man, I've never heard of this place, Jermaine. I know. You know why? Because they burned to the ground. You <laughs> know what the fuck? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, it was built up, um, very prosperous. Got it that time. Very prosperous, prosperous, prosperous. Fuck. And, um, there was, if you, if you want to look at the psychology and what, what people look back, uh, why it really got burnt down um, is that it was a little too good. Um, um, it was separated, and um, the, uh, the black people were having a good old time on the other side of tracks. Um, by the time it was uh, in 1921, um, they had the uh, uh, race riots in. Um, in Greenwood, but by that time there were ten thousand residents in uh, in Greenwood uh, with uh, residential and business. Um, they had their own hospitals, with churches, um, uh, multiple banks, barbershops, what what have you, and stuff. Uh, it, I mean, it was its own little metropolis, and uh, so looking looking back from here. Um, there were too many people there. They were too prosperous and they were actually outgrowing the neighborhood and they were butting up against the, uh, segregated white neighborhoods and stuff. And there were a lot of, uh, nasty letters written to the, uh, black business owners about, you know, kind of overstepping your bounds. And so, um, there was already an underlying tension there, uh, in the city, uh, between the segregated, um, Black side, which I think was uh, white people call Little Africa. Um, <laughs> I think it was something I read called Little Africa. But uh, they, uh, 
So what happened is there was a uh, black male uh, shoe shiner, I believe he was, and so he goes to a restroom in a building. It's one of the few buildings that uh, African Americans could use because remember, it's everybody equal, blacks only, whites only type stuff. And there was a young lady on the elevator uh, that uh, my uh, shoe shiner got on, and she screamed, "Raped, rape!" And said that uh, he sexually assaulted her um, on the elevator. Um, and as you imagine, there was no evidence. Um, I'd like to pause uh, this for a second. So, and, and this being one of the worst Black History Months I've ever uh, had the pleasure of living through. Um, we're talking about Jesse Smollett, and I've talked about him on the podcast last two. I, I asked my brother about him last week, and I've talked about him before. And um, one of the things that uh, people were so quick, oh, he lied, he lied, he lied, he lied, he lied. Hey, um, he lied on himself. He didn't really hurt anybody uh, with the lie. Not really. He um, Does it make it harder uh, for people who have real uh, assault stories to come forward and be believed? Yeah, it does. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, if anybody got the ass whooped, it was him. Um, he might have paid for an ass whooping, but whatever. Um, but throughout the history of this country, uh, black and brown people have been accused of all kinds of shit uh, when it wasn't true. And hey, surprise, surprise, this was not true. Um so, of course, they arrested a young man, but when the word got out, um, there was a white mob that was basically, and this happened a lot, where the white mob would show up, sheriff would hand over uh, whoever, and they would just go lynch him. Uh, well, this particular sheriff um, didn't hand him over, and uh, the brothers from uh, Greenwood showed up to support the sheriff. And... Uh, Basically, the standoff led into some uh, some some names being called. I'm sure the N word was thrown out there on more than one occasion. Um, somebody tried to disarm uh, one of the black men, and uh, some shots were fired. And there you go, um, the race riots were off. Um, they say that they were thousands of armed and angry white residents that surrounded Greenwood trapped them in um, and law enforcement helped too so um, not only law enforcement um, helped um, the National Guard <laughs> actually uh, deployed aircraft over, uh, over Greenwood and shot at the houses and stuff and um if you think that that's outrageous and that would never happen, I would like you to go and research Philadelphia. Um, and uh, they actually dropped a bomb. This is in the 80s, 90s. I had to look at it. Uh, but they dropped a bomb on a whole black neighborhood. Uh, the police did. Uh, blew down buildings and stuff. Oh, man. It's going to kill me because I can't remember exactly. Um, uh, but, yeah, that was more recent. So this is the 20s, and so what ended up happening was they burnt down 35 blocks. They burnt down Greenwood. Uh, they they looted the stores. Um, I think originally they said like 38 kilos, but as they went back and looked, I mean, it was up to 300. They arrested like 600. They treated thousands. Uh, those that didn't flee were, like I said, were arrested or killed. Um, they found big uh, mass graves 
uh, out there where they just dump bodies and stuff, just kill. And so, like I say, the, the police were involved, uh, even instigating uh, the mob. Um, and let's say it was a twenty. I had to look at this. So that happened on May the thirtieth, and by the first of June, uh, most most of the rich riot had come to an end. Um, obviously, um, that was not a, a good day. So what I did was I went up there to check out where Black Wall Street was and just kind of look. And honestly, there are two things you can go see. You can go see the Greenwood Cultural uh, Center, and uh, then you can go around, which is right around the corner. It's the John Hope Franklin uh, Reconciliation Park. Uh, and those are really the two only monuments of Black Wall Street there. They're kind of there. Um, and so, um, I, I did, I went there. The cultural center is closed on the weekend, so I wasn't able to go into the museum and stuff like that. I just took pictures of the building and some murals and stuff like that. Then I went over to the park and took some pictures and stuff. And like I said, all that stuff's up on Instagram. Um, and, um, they did uh, rebuild. Um, they did. They they did rebuild a lot of it um, afterwards and stuff. Um, a lot of people left and didn't come back, but um, they they did uh, come back and rebuild a lot of Greenwood. And uh, but if you go there today. Um, it's it's not it's not really there. It's not there at all. Um, and part of that was desegregation, because when desegregation came along, uh, the need to have that community and it support itself supporting itself, that black people were allowed to go buy goods and services from all around the city, and so the neighborhood itself kind of fell apart. And um, yeah, and it's been gentrified, so. There, there's your story of Greenwood. Um, so why? So you said Jermaine, that was a long bloated story. You wasted 20 minutes of my life. Why did you tell me that story? Um, one, because you didn't. Uh, a lot of people don't know it. I'm not going to assume that you didn't, but a lot of people don't. And if uh, if you didn't, then congratulations. Now you know. Um, and it just goes to the point when we're talking about Colin, um, when. Um, I talk about um, standing your ground and integrity that we brought up earlier. And uh, we, we talk about black history and some of the things that our forefathers have had to endure and go through. Um, it's just one of those kind of deals where I think it's good to be able to go back and talk about and dissect uh those kind of things. Um, that's what it was. Uh, so it was the Philadelphia bombing. It's the MOVE. MOVE was the organization that they were trying to get like 1985. Um, when that happened, they literally dropped a bomb um, on the black neighborhood. Uh, and that's just to, to bring it forward. Um, I had to Google it. It was killing me. I had to Google it. Um, yeah, the MOVE bombing in Philadelphia in 1985. You can look up the details on that. Um, 
as long as we don't talk about this stuff, when we, so when we talk about black history and stuff like that, it's important to, to understand, especially like when I tell my girls um, about black history, um, a lot of times, first thing we want to talk about America's slavery and stuff. And slavery was a large part of our history, and it dictates a lot of things that happen now, even till today. Um, and But the reason is, is because uh, when I talk about the story of Black Wall Street, we don't really talk about it. It's not taught. We'll talk about uh, George Washington Carver, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, um, maybe Frederick Douglass. I mean, you know, there's just, you know, your standard. We want to talk about these things. And what we don't want to talk about is the horrible and, and wretched shit that's happened to African-Americans and why um, still to this day African-Americans feel certain ways about government, police, um and, and, and why we express things like Black Lives Matter today, which comes back to Brother Kyle, uh, Kaepernick taking a knee. Um, I had um, a friend of mine put on Facebook. Well, he was going out. He's going out hanging out, and he's got a hoodie on. It's a Black Lives Matter hoodie. And one of the guys, a mutual friend that we work with and stuff, who's a police officer, it's like, man, I thought better. Uh, you know, Black Lives Matter is a is a terrorist, blah, 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 blah. And, of course, um, you know, if you guys know me personally, you know, my, my big thing is, is that if you got something to say, say it on your page. That's why you got a page. Don't come on my, mate, come on my page, talk shit to me. Um, and, of course, he got jumped on by other people. And, I, you know, and I, and I actually commended... Um, uh, the brother for re- for responding because it was cool, collective, and better than anything I could have done. Um, but when we have these conversations about race, why Black Lives Matter, is because you can't heal what you don't reveal. If you don't talk about it, if you don't air it out, no matter how painful it is or how embarrassing it may be, if you never address it and all you do is bury it, like this history of Black Wall Street has been buried and isn't taught. It isn't you don't you don't hear about this every February. That's why I bring it to you this February. That's why I had to drive three and a half hours to go see this place from my own eyes because I was in the state and I knew I was going to be coming back to this area anytime soon. So this was my opportunity. My last weekend in Oklahoma, let me go do this. And so I did because I wanted to see that history. And like again, you just can't heal things you don't reveal. You gotta talk about it. And the reason that we continue to have these issues in 2019 um, from over 100 years ago um, is because we've never really dealt with it. People don't want to talk about it because they have strong feelings. Uh, the guys that uh, were having a conversation today um, in the eating establishment that I had to go to, um, they had some strong feelings and I know if I had not been there, if a black man had not been there, the conversation probably would have got a little deeper for them and a little bit more involved. Um, I say, have that conversation in front of me. Shit. That's how you feel. Say that shit. Um, stop hiding behind, uh, closed doors and computer screens talking that shit. Um, if you got something to say, say it there, you know, it's a history when I, you know, and it's one of the things that, uh, I'll eventually, when I sit down with uh, a friend of mine, who, he's not a bad guy. Um, he He's dealing in neighborhoods and stuff where people don't like the police. Well, shit, I wonder why, because they're probably over-policed. Um, I don't care who you are. If you are watched 24-7, I bet I can catch you doing something. And that's how black neighborhoods are, are run. They don't police our neighborhoods the same. 
we're not arrested for the same violations. We're not treated the same way. When we say black lives matter, we don't say that no other lives matter. We're just saying our lives matter too. Maybe, maybe that would make people feel better if we put the two on there. But it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, definitive statement that black lives matter. And it's not about terrorism. And, you know, one of the things that, uh, that was brought up on that Facebook post was, you know, it's the thing was, you know, well, they're extremist people in, well, they're, man, they're extremist people in everything. I mean, you, you should stop fucking with Christians. And as a police officer, Lord, I know that you don't want to be judged on the minority of your, uh, brotherhood. And just like Black Lives Matter, uh, the movement does not want to be judged by uh, extremists in the movement. Uh, they just caught a guy in the Coast Guard uh, that has some very white nationalist, I'm going to shoot all, shoot everything up shit going on. But I know guys in the Coast Guard, and I'm not going to uh, automatically assume that they're white nationalists uh, because they caught one. Um, that's just not how it works, and it's not how it should work. And especially, as, as again, as a police officer, when you sit there and think to yourself, man... You're kind of in a glass house throwing stones here. And, uh, plus you are basically telling me that you don't want to be judged for those people that you're going to do the same thing. Um, this kind of the, the integrity thing weaves through here in this way. There are certain things that we stand up on principle for. And it's that I will not sing a dance and cow tip, um, to anyone. Uh, simply because you think I should. I stand when I want to stand. I laugh when I hear something funny. Um, I dance <laughs> uh, when, when, when I feel like it. Um, the people in Greenwood stood on the principles. They, they, they didn't complain about their Jim Crow stuff. They overcame it, and so there's the, there's the deal. And it was really through economic development and real estate stuff um, is what made that place thrive. It was it was real estate. Um, so there's my real estate plug for today that you can have a thriving community and stuff, and reinvesting and keeping uh, money in community. That's what can can give everybody that economic freedom that you're looking for. Um, but the thing about integrity, you you, you got to stand on your principle and stuff. And even when you're surrounded and you've got people raining bullets down from the sky, um, you stand up for it. You live and die by it. And that whole C. Harvey, I do whatever I got to do for a dollar, nah, we're not doing that. We're not going to do that at all. That makes absolutely no sense to me. Um, it's, it's quite ridiculous. And like I say, you, you can't heal from things that you don't talk about. Because there are a lot of people today who are, like I saw a, another picture recently of some kids, some college kids, uh, making swastikas and doing Nazi salutes and stuff. And I'm looking at that like, if you don't talk about that history, if you're not informing the next generation, simply because you didn't participate in it, doesn't mean that you can't talk about it. You can talk about it and go, hey, and this is why that's wrong, and this is why that's not funny, and this is why that's not a joke and stuff. You know, in, in the, in, in this whole black history thing, you know, um, hell, they were, uh, you know what? Let me play another clip. The Underground Railroad, or runaway slave game, as some have called it, happened here at Madison's Trust Elementary back in early February. We're told it was not part of the curriculum and it should have never been taught in the first place. 
you have three teachers plus an administrator who failed to see the racism in this um, exercise. That's startling. Pastor Michelle Thomas leads the Loudoun County NAACP. She says she was shocked to hear about a recent lesson during Black History Month at Ashburn's Madison's Trust Elementary. The school district confirms that third, fourth, and fifth graders pretended to be slaves on the Underground Railroad in an obstacle course during gym class. Parent complaints forced the school's principal to apologize. In a letter, it reads in part, quote, The lesson was culturally insensitive to our students and families. I extend my sincerest apology to our students and school community. End quote. Tonight, parents and neighbors are reacting. It is not a game. It's not something that should ever be taken lightly, even if it's something that they feel like happened a long time ago. It's something that should always be taken seriously, especially with children. We don't do that with the Holocaust. I, I just don't understand. The school district says the underlying history was retaught in a sensitive manner, and the schools are working with a local black history group to review curriculum. But they ultimately say the lesson was not approved and should not have been taught. There are three things that really jump out to me. Willful ignorance, white privilege, or intentional racism. And those are scary thoughts. And the school district would not say if the employees involved are facing discipline, calling it a personnel matter that they won't. In 2019, it's like, like I said, it really was one of the worst black history months I've ever went through. In Virginia, again, Virginia is the is a leading culprit of, of this uh, after the governor and the blackface, and then like the, not the lieutenant governor and sexual. So I mean, it just Virginia just Virginia is the new Florida, and uh, so but they 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 played a game and made the black kids runaway slaves in the obstacle course. There's another school trip where they hadn't picking cotton. Um, I, I guess my basic thing for this, look, I, I'll, I'll wrap this up because I, 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 man, I could beat this all day. Um, the basic thing for this is, is that, uh, there is history, there is hurt, there is pain, um, but that we can get past that, uh, but we do have to talk about it. We have to be responsible in the way that we talk about it. Uh, we got to be sensitive in the way we talk about it. Again, you don't, play those kind of games you don't play you never heard anybody play gas chamber games how fucking insensitive would that be um you know there there are things that have happened in our history that we don't want to happen in our future um that's why our principled ideas um knowing what's right and what's wrong standing up for not only yourself but other people become so important um You know, and for, and for the people out there who think to themselves, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I just don't get it. Listen to this for a second. I want every white person in this room who would be happy to be treated as this society in general treats our citizens, our black citizens. If you, as a white person, would be happy to receive the same treatment that our black citizens do in this society, please stand. You didn't understand the directions. If you white folks want to be treated the way blacks are in this society, stand. Nobody's standing here. That says very plainly that you know what's happening. You know you don't want it for you. 
I want to know why you're so willing to accept it or to allow it to happen for others. And so that's uh, kind of the, the question, isn't it? If you, uh, if you don't believe it, then stand up. Uh, and, and you do. Uh, everybody does. Nobody wants to be treated. I think Chris Rock had uh, a joke about that. Um, but, man, where's the energy? Well, so here's the deal. <laughs> we can do better. Uh, and I, I really do. Uh, if I didn't believe that, I would just pack my kids up, move to Canada, do some other shit. Um, America uh, is not that fucking great. Uh, there are other places out there that are just as banging. Um, that is a nationalist uh, idea that, you know, your house is better than everybody else's house and stuff. But uh, it really is. There are other developed countries in the world. Not everybody's just, like, shitting and pissing in buckets and stuff. Um, and, like say, one of them is actually north of us. Uh, go hang out but I really do believe in and I fought for this country and and I wouldn't do that and I wouldn't waste my time if I didn't believe that we were able to move past a lot of these things and I think that we are and I think that we will I think that we have to be again uh, culturally sensitive when we talk about these things we bring them up um, but we do have to bring them up and you have to talk about them when we talk about Greenwood and Black Wall Street and the reason no one talks about that because it was one of the largest massacres in U.S. history. It, it was, and um, how is that not taught? How is that not a historic thing? If you talk about mass murders and significant uh, cultural events within the uh, community and stuff, and when you don't talk about that, people assume stuff like that. I mean, I didn't know. So how can you say I know? I know uh, race riots in Chicago and stuff like that, uh, but. Um, when you look at that particular instance and, and what it did and uh, the lives lost, the businesses lost, the land lost um, and uh, over um, bigotry and stuff and hatred, uh, you got to bring that up. You know, one of the things I, you know, <laughs> I say this, um, while th- there were black people who left, uh, the white people who burnt that shit down didn't leave. They still lived in Tulsa. Uh, their grandkids, their grandkids live there. Uh, that's not that long ago, 1921. Um, you know, like I, I did the timeline for uh, for how long slavery <laughs> was, and I go back to I was born in 75. My mom was born in the 50s. Um, uh, grandma would have been 1920 uh, around this time. So great grandma. Uh, or great 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 grandma was a slave. Uh, it's only been a couple of generations, and stuff like this is even closer. Uh, so when people say things like you know you need to get over and stuff, you know that was the sixties. I mean, like you mean my mother, and for some people they're grandmothers, you know. But my mother uh, was raised during that time, and uh, can tell you plenty of stories uh, about things that were going on in uh, North Carolina during that time. Um, especially growing up in a small town and then moving to uh, Charlotte and seeing um, a lot of the history as it evolved around her. Um, so we can, we can do better. Um, but that's just, that's kind of the story of Black, uh, Black Wall Street. Hey, uh, this has probably been uh, the least interesting for some of you episode 
uh, the main event. But it's my show and I do what I want to. And what I wanted to do today was kind of give you a little education. And I know education can be a little hard sometimes. So, uh, But there you go. Um, that's Greenwood. If you want to see the pictures, uh, again, you can check out my Instagram, my Facebook. Um, I'll probably put some up on the website, www.themaineventpodcast.com. Um, hopefully um, next week um, I get settled in. I'm, I'm getting in to Charlotte this weekend. I'll have my girls and stuff, so I'm not really sure if I'll be putting a podcast out next Sunday. Probably not. You'll probably have to wait until uh, Monday uh, to get another episode. And hopefully uh, I've, I can coordinate between now and then with my special guests. And uh, we can get you a, a great episode of the podcast. Um, but as always, it's my pleasure to come to you. Um, I don't do this for the likes, but I do appreciate them when you give them to me. So uh, smash that like button. Uh, tell me what you want to see from the podcast. Uh, the last two episodes were kind of the format that you were looking for. Uh, I really enjoyed doing interviews. I really did. Um, it was a good time. I felt real natural doing it. Uh, hopefully that came across in the podcast. And I look forward to uh, getting some more people on and actually uh, lining up getting some some bigger names on. Um, some people maybe you might have heard of or, you know, especially local to Charlotte um, that want to sit down. And um, I'm trying to, uh, as we as I start pressing the real estate stuff more, um, start talking to uh, some professionals in the industry and getting them on the podcast and getting some underwriters uh, some mortgage guys, getting some tax guys on, gals, um, and and getting them on the podcast and getting you some real, real good information and uh, hopefully building up uh, your information and uh, getting your portfolio uh, together. Man, it's uh, always it's a pleasure. I love you guys. Thanks so much. Thanks for sticking with me. My tongue didn't work this week, but uh, it didn't matter. I will see you next week. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. Peace! And you're listening to the main event.